Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. everybody welcome to big blue avenue good evening happy thursday everybody i'm tom scavetta joined alongside my co-host hank and dick there hank we have a very special show in store for all of you folks tonight uh, a quick reminder check out our ticker below follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our youtube channel at review and preview sports for all things giants content exclusive we also cover other teams and sports as well, so make sure to go check that out there. And we are going to be live with a very special guest who we've had multiple times on our show now, Hank. Sam Cardona from the Girl Who Talks Sports podcast. Here she is. Sam, good evening. Welcome back. Thank you so much, guys. I'm so excited to be back again. I love that I'm like this guest that just you can't get rid of me. I just keep on coming back. <laughs> It's great. You're like our first recurring guest, I feel like. Yeah. No, but thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. So just wanted to let all the folks know that Hank and myself are going to be doing uh, some off-season content with Sam, as the three of us are pretty big Giants fans, and I'm really looking forward to this off-season. This is probably the most promising off-season yet, and the comments section is already popping. Just want to say, Andy Hopper, Hello. Uh, I know you and Andy did a recording last night, right? On your channel. Yeah. If I could do a quick little plug. Absolutely. So so Oh, never mind. You you go first. Okay. So, so probably tomorrow or Saturday, uh, Andy and I uh, are going to put out the, it's going to be on my channel, but Andy came on and we did a sports movie bracket um, and to kind of narrow down our favorite sports movie ever um and it would it's really funny it's like we go into each individual movie how much we like it and all that stuff so i am like halfway through editing it so hopefully it will be out tomorrow on my youtube channel that's that i gotta see i love sports movies yeah i'm excited it was really fun to make and andy i cannot agree more i would love i always feel that way i every time Tom, we play that intro right as we're about to get ready to start every episode. I'm just ready to br- run through a brick ball. I'm amped up. Love talking some G-Men football. It's awesome. Sam, you're getting a lot of love from the comments section. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> from Andy and uh, Jamie Comstock, Hank's mother. Thank you very much for tuning Hi, in. Mom. All of you. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, make sure to go follow Sam at the Girl Who Talks Sports. And Hank, just wanted to let everybody know this is going to be our last live stream 
in a while. We're going to take about a month off before we begin to preview free agency. And we're going to be making our own YouTube channel for Big Blue Avenue. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And Sam is going to be uh, a big part of that for us as well in the offseason. So without further ado, let's kind of dive into our topics tonight. So we're going to run down some team news with the team. We're going to go over potential cuts for this Giants team on how we can get our salary cap in much better uh, shape. Go over some potential free agents the Giants might sign off other offseason needs, including the draft, and take a brief look into our 2021 opponents. So uh, without further ado, let's get things started. Um, so Hank and Sam, just want to quickly uh, remind the folks, all you Giant fans watching, click the like button and subscribe. Now, the Giants are projected to enter the offseason. Their salary cap space heading into today, it was projected to be negative 2.2 million. That no, that number is now projected to be around just under negative 3.4 million. There were four players who had their cap hits adjusted. Three of those players from the 2018 draft, that was Will Hernandez, B.J. Hill, and then the other was Lorenzo Carter. The fourth was Isaac Yadam, who we signed. Isaac Yadam's cap hit went from under a million, around 950000 to over $2 million. So now, guys, this salary cap is definitely concerning. Due to COVID-19, we've seen that the 2021 salary cap is going to be down roughly twenty to $25 million from a normal year instead of $200 million it's going to be around $175 million due to the NFL's financial losses and COVID-19. So first off, Sam, I'll start with you as the guest. What do you think about this and how this could potentially impact the Giants and some of their players? Right, yeah. I mean, obviously money is like a very big part of the league in general. Like, you know, this league wouldn't be able to function without having all of this revenue. And this past season has been a crazy one with COVID and no, no fans in the stands. Nobody's buying, you know, 13 beers per game per person and they're losing money and you know, ticket sales. And, you know, they'll try and do everything with, you know, an NFL shop and things like that. But in terms of the organizations um, individually, this is going to take a huge toll on the giants. Um, you know, we definitely could have used a little bit more money to get certain prospects in, um, and also, you know, try and figure out which prospects we can get rid of, which ones we don't want to get rid of. It's all so impacted by this because of the fact that, like, money is so important. You know, you don't want to think about it that way. But without money, you can't get these big stars. You can't get these big contracts in and have this outstanding team. So I definitely think it's going to take a huge impact on the Giants specifically because there are definitely some things I know that – we're going to talk about in a little bit that, you know, can we keep somebody around even though we want to, we might not be able to. <laughs> Andy, you're killing it with the comments. I love it. And <laughs> I completely agree 100% with what he said. Why yeah. not? <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely met life beer. Yeah. Sam, back to your point. I just want to say you're right. I mean, it's been a weird year for the NFL and now we head into this off season. This is going to be a different type of offseason. Now, the Giants were granted nearly $5 million in salary cap rollover. So what that means is um, a, lot, a lot of teams are being 
um, offered additional money. So instead of that 175 million salary cap number for the Giants, it's going to be 179.8 million. So roughly 180 million the Giants have to work with. So about a 20 million dollar difference, and that's big. And now keep in mind the Giants they're going to have to keep in my estimations, about six to six and a half million open for the 2021 draft class. Now I know the giants only have about six to seven picks, but the bottom line is guys, the giants have to create more cap room. And there's several different ways that we're going to dive into in just a few moments. But um, Hank, I want to get to you here. It seems like the giants have some work to do before they even get there. Um, with Dave DeGuglielmo, who will not be returning as our offensive line coach. I feel like the best route to go, I would probably, I'd probably just hire in house and get Ben Wilkerson as the new coach. Like he's been there for a while. He's got some experience. And again, I don't even know if, I don't know if he's going to make it as big of a deal as people think, because we know the impact that Joe judge had in making them better last year. So I think really all you need to do is just get Ben Wilkerson. Although then again, I, I do see, I did see that you mentioned another possibility and that's Harry. What's his name? Harry Heinstadt. He's a Notre Dame coach. Obviously you know more about this guy than I do because you're, you're the big Notre Dame fan in this group. So I'm sure you're probably right that he'd be a good help, but so I'm obviously Notre Dame. Yeah. I'm thinking Wilkerson, nothing too fancy. Just get someone inside. Sam, have you looked into this at all? Do you think Wilkerson could be a potential fit as it's were a next man up mentality? Or do you think there's an outside party that could? Because we saw what Mark Colombo did and he kind of had ties to Jason Garrett. So do you think in-house or potentially somebody outside? Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier today. And um, the thing is that since Joe Judge is such a new coach, um, that it's kind of more you know, it it can happen. The fact that like people that were there for a while, but Joe judge doesn't really know that. Well, it's easier to get rid of someone and bring in someone new. And I was even thinking, I was like, you know, he's got ties to new England. It's very possible that he can find somebody over in new England that he likes a lot that he can bring over that he knows can coach well and that they mesh well together. But also it is so much easier. Like Hank was saying, keep it simple, keep it easy stick with Wilkerson and just stay within the organization. To be honest, I think that would be the easiest thing here, especially because of the fact that, you know, this offensive line has had several coaches at this point. And, you know, the thing is that you need to get one and it needs to be your offensive line coach and you can't stray away again. So the decision that he has to make is very important because, if, if you start going off firing people again, like this offensive line can't handle so many coaches and then it's just going to be a mess all over again. Absolutely. I think it's an interesting storyline to talk about because it could be Wilkerson. I think they should go after Harry Heiston, Notre Dame O-line coach from 2012 to 2017. And this is a guy that coached the likes of Mike McGlinchey, Quentin Nelson, Ronnie Stanley for the Ravens. So there's some very good linemen in this league, Pro Bowl linemen, that were under Heiston, who took a year off uh, last year. And I like the type of G scheme offense that he runs in the goal line, which is basically an ultra-heavy set. So, And we know Gettleman loves his hog molly, so I think this potential signing could make sense. But I think Wilkerson would be the best logical move here. Um, 
Speaking of other moves that the team made, the Giants signed Kansas City Chiefs' t- former 2018 second-round pick today, Breland Speaks, to a reserve future contract. Now, this man had one and a half sacks for the Chiefs as a rookie in 2018, and he appeared in two playoff games. So, you know, I'm not too mad about this signing. I think it's a low-risk, high-reward type of situation. He kind of fell off the map with Kansas City a little bit. But, um, Hank, this guy could play some ball. Yeah, why not? He had, what, had one and a half sacks for them in 2018. And, yeah, I, I think definitely take a flyer on him. Why not? Sam, what do you think? I mean, I know this is they've been signing a lot of guys to future reserve contracts over the last couple of weeks. But, I mean, I think the more defensive ends you can get, the better. I, I want to see a good amount of competition in the offseason, especially we don't know yeah. if Fackrell is coming back either. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the more the merrier at this point. And the fact that our defense is pretty solid already, you know, if you think that this guy can come in and, you know, fit better in our defensive schemes, then like, let's go for it. I'm totally cool with that. And obviously coming from Kansas City, a previous, you know, Super Bowl winning team, I'll, I'll take anybody from Kansas City at this point. <laughs> they don't really have like bad players. They might have like, lesser than like you know some of the other guys on that team but they they're a machine so i'll take anybody from the kansas city chiefs at this point that's a good point actually it is no sam brings up an excellent point folks if in the comments section don't be shy we'll take any questions that you got and kevin agrees with you as well great way to break it down uh almost feel like it's having different coaches for too many seasons constantly is never good for the players. They need to have that one. Oh, he's talking about the Wilkerson thing. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, for sure. Definitely. Now other news that we have to talk about and Sam, I know your your good buddy Jordy is going to be very happy. Well, I, I don't know how she feels about it. I don't want to jump, make assumptions, but the Eagles have a new head coach, um, Nick yeah. Sirianni. Now this somewhat affects the giants. Um, We'll just mention this briefly. Sirianni will be the Eagles' next head coach 10 days after firing Doug Peterson. He was an assistant under Frank Reich in Indianapolis and San Diego. And Hank continues to bring this up to me weekly that he feels Frank Reich was a good part of the reason why the Eagles did win that Super Bowl three years ago. So what do you think of this hire for Philadelphia and how it impacts the Giants in 2021? Um, yeah, no, I definitely wasn't expecting this to be the guy that the Eagles were going to pick here. Um, yeah, I spoke to Jordan today, actually. Um, well, 10 days ago when uh, Doug Peterson got fired, I got a FaceTime call from Jordan of her just screaming, saying no words, just screaming because she was so happy that Doug Peterson was out of her life. And I think, I believe I saw on her Instagram story, she said she wanted Deuce Staley, who is in the Eagles organization. Um, And I don't know how thrilled she is about this guy, but also, you know, nobody really knows a whole lot about him in the NFC East. You know, we're not as familiar with him coming from the Colts. But this could be interesting for the Eagles. I mean, I I was not surprised that they picked an offensive-minded person to deal with their quarterback situation right now, you know, if they have Jalen, if they have Carson, like who knows what's going on in terms of the offense right now. And they need receivers and things like that. But no, I think that this is an interesting hire for the Eagles. I thought they were going to hire Josh McDaniels. I like was like, yeah, no, he's going to be the coach. And that didn't happen. So um, at this point, I don't think Josh McDaniels will ever be a head coach of of a team ever because just 
doesn't seem to be working out for him after he dropped the 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 Colts job years ago. But yeah, I mean, this is a this is interesting hire. Not what I was expecting, but it could be uh could be good for the Eagles. But in our case, I hope that it's bad. <laughs> it's kind of like a who am I type of hire, like Joe Judge. Yeah. Nobody knew who yeah. he was last year. Absolutely, Nobody knows. Yeah. And Nick Sirianni is around the same age as Joe Judge, so this could be a crazy transition for Philly and Andy agrees this came out of nowhere. Sure did. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, I think the guy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. No, I feel like the happiest day of her life is when they finally get rid of Howie Roseman. But anyways, it will be. Yeah, no, but anyways, yeah, I think it's interesting. I feel like it sounds to me like this guy's a bridge hire, but I think, Again, I feel like he's also hired because of the Frank Reich connection because, mm-hmm. yeah, I stand by that case that Frank Reich had a lot to do with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. And you could see that their numbers went down. Actually, they plummeted since he left, really, if anything. Yep. So um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what he does, whether it works out or not, 50-50. But all I know is the Eagles have a bad cap situation. So I don't know 100% if it really will make a difference. Yeah, and I also know that Jordan, who is an Eagles fan, says that Frank Reich is the reason that they won that Super Bowl. She is 100% like yeah. sold on that yeah. fact. So I am I am also You're convinced. Right. And yeah, the, the, the Frank Reich connection might be good, but also like, you know, Frank Reich worked with Doug Peterson. He's and he's not there anymore. So this yeah. is going to be a totally different coaching situation than it was before. Let's see. Um JR, I'll get to your comment in just one moment. Uh, Kevin says, I hope it's bad for the Eagles, too. Look them up. Definitely came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, JR Ramos, Ramos says, get a fullback for Barkley to run better. Always run better with a fullback. Uh, JR, it's funny you bring that up because the Giants, like, they only used Elijah Penny, it seemed, very sparingly this year on special teams. A lot of the time, Giants ran the football with a single-back formation. And I know they would do the um, the 12 scheme with two tight ends with um, Smith and Ingram, or sometimes they'd even put Toilolo in there, run a three tight end set. But um, there's not many true fullbacks left in the NFL, it seems like a dying breed. The last notable fullback the Giants had was Henry Hynoski. I can't recall one that was really good since him that we had personally. I don't know. Can can either of you think of anybody? I mean, I remember we had, oh. did we have Madison Hedgecock during the first Super Bowl run. And it's and funny. because We had Jim Finn, who you have an interesting story about Jim Finn, too. Didn't you run into him not too long ago? Yeah, so um, <laughs> it, it was a it was a week ago on like a Wednesday, and I just ran into him. Um, it, it was really weird, but um, he's you know he's a he's a small guy. He's only about you know five ten, two hundred pounds, and you know looking him in the eye basically, and there he is. Um, you know, due to COVID and everything, couldn't really interact with the guy. But uh, yeah, it was very. Uh, <laughs> Very exciting day for me, um, local guy. And uh, um, make sure the fullback wears a cowboy collar. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Um, 
Now, let's get into some potential cuts for the Giants. So we know that we have to clear some cap in order to, a lot of people are saying, well, the Giants possibly want to sign a big-name wide receiver. Potentially, I know Allen Robinson's name has been brought up numerous times. Kenny Galladay, um, Will Fuller, John Ross, to just name a few. But let's talk about some of these potential cuts. And this is where it gets interesting. Golden Tate is a guy who the Giants signed a couple of off seasons ago to a four-year deal virtually to replace Odell Beckham Jr. And it hasn't really worked out. Remember, he missed the first four games in 2019 due to the, uh, the substance policy that he broke. So he broke that. And if the Giants cut him after June 1st, we could save $8.5 million. Now, that's huge. I think Golden Tate is probably the most for sure person that the Giants are going to cut. Uh, I think we have to get younger in the receiving corps. I think Slayton and Shepard are fine. But, uh, you know, right now it seems like Tate is definitely a goner come June 1st. Another guy I think is going to go is Levine Toilolo. The Giants brought him in as a backup tight end Pretty much another Caden Smith, except with a lower ceiling. If we cut him, I, Levine Toilolo should not be worth three million in 2021. If we cut him, we could save another 2.95 million. That would be his cap hit. I don't want a third string tight end costing us three million in 2021. So, Sam, I'll start with you. Those first two players. Do you agree? Do you think both of them are goners? I think both of them must go. Yeah, no, um, I'm pretty sure Golden Tate has already said his goodbyes. Um, he has kind of put some things on social media that has said like, oh, New York, you've been so good to me, da 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 all that stuff. So I'm pretty convinced, yeah, Golden Tate's gone. Um, you know, it, it's like uh, the thing with Golden Tate was like in the beginning, we were kind of really stoked to have Golden Tate. And then um, back when I think this was last year or two years ago, he got suspended for taking that fertility drug um, yeah. and that he, they were like, Oh, that was on the banned substance list. I was like super pissed off about that. By the way, I remember ranting about that. Cause I was so pissed, but no, I mean, ever since then I'm like, golden Tate really hasn't done a lot for us. Like there are some times where he was targeted maybe once in a game. So really I'm not too sad about him leaving and Levine, yeah, I totally agree with you with the fact that like we don't we don't need him and we can use that money for something else and something right. that is more useful for us. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I think you definitely need to get younger at the wide receiver and I think obvious I think it's obvious that Golden Tate's pretty much the odd man out in that position, no? Mm, like I he's agree. older and He's oh. also had a bit of a few problems too. Not, I'm not even just talking about the PED suspension, but also the also getting benched before the Washington game, like and and right. wanting the ball, like that's no, you yeah. can't have that. With yeah, Joe Judge disciplined him, which is good. Um, you can't have that. And then oh. Levine Toilolo, yeah. It, again, like you were saying before, just it really makes too much sense not not to have him back next year. Those are definitely the first two players on my list. Now we have a couple of comments regarding some free agents. Anthony says Galladay is injury prone. Yes, I agree. I don't think the Giants should sign him, but we'll touch upon that later too. If Robinson goes from Bortles to Trubisky to Jones, I will cry. 
Um, <laughs> oh, look, so there's going to be a bidding war. My guess is there's going to be about 12 to 14 teams in a bidding war for Allen yeah. Robinson, and the Giants will not win. Yeah, I agree. Battle. Robinson, I don't think, again, this might not be a popular opinion. He should not be a priority for us this offseason because I think you want to keep intact that defensive line. Um, I do think, though, we do need a number one receiver on this offense still. Um, Tate is definitely gone. Yep. Um, when he had that fight with Ramsey, I thought it definitely could have been handled differently. Right. Big distraction. That's right. That that, that whole thing that happened yeah. with him and Jalen Ramsey was, like, bonkers insane because I had no <laughs> idea that Jalen Ramsey was even – any type in, of involved with, with Golden Tate's sister. Like, that whole thing blew up, and I was like, this can't be real. Exactly. It's like a soap opera. <laughs> first of all, I can – first of all, that fight doesn't that, – doesn't it seem like that fight happened a while ago? It feels like it was, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they yeah, just don't like each other. Those two, those two humans are just not compatible. <laughs> no, not even a little. But like, also the way that they did that, I was like, "What are you, thirteen, waiting outside a locker room to beat somebody up? Come on now, come on." <laughs> Let's see. Get a better quarterbacks coach. Uh, so Jr. is not a fan of Jerry Shaplinsky. Uh, I can teach our quarterback to hold on to the ball. Maybe be released more than four minutes holding it. Jones actually had one of the quickest release times this season. And I think it's a a culmination of things. His inability to properly read when the blitz is coming and from where it's coming, uh, not making audibles when he should, offensive line protection. I think it's a combination of things, JR. Um, I don't necessarily think Shaplinski is the problem. I think you want to keep him. I think Jones needs progression, and I think part of it is due to Jason Garrett. Uh, Tom, here's a team to consider, the Ravens. You were talking about how they need a number one wide receiver on review and preview this week. Yes, Andy, but the Ravens are in cap hell heading into 2021. I don't see them getting Robinson. Um, I think he wants to go to the Ravens, though. I read something about that. Yeah, I just don't know how they would be able to make that work. But um, they can either. Here's another guy that both of you are going to enjoy, and he was actually my favorite player on the team this year. It's the punter. I'm a big special teams guy. Uh, Riley Dixon. I think so. Here's the thing, Riley Dixon. If he were to get cut, it would save the Giants almost three million, around two point eight. I think we need to keep Riley Dixon. He's a good punter. He didn't have his best season towards the last few games. But stats are a little inflated because the Giants special teams as a whole got worse the last six games. I think Dixon needs to take a pay cut. The contract extension they gave him a year ago, it was good at the time. But now you have all these guys coming up on contracts. You may have to restructure Riley Dixon. Another guy I want to talk about is David Mayo. David Mayo was a guy who was so good before he tore his meniscus in training camp that, in fact, I was hearing reports that Mayo was the reason why we didn't keep Ryan Connolly. It wasn't the, all the rookies that they drafted because they didn't know that Tay Crowder was going to be as good as he was. Mm-hmm. David Mayo was the reason why, and Connolly just couldn't recover from his injury. Now it's looking like the same thing is happening from Mayo. He tore his meniscus, and now if we cut Mayo, 
we wouldn't eat up any dead money. We would just free up $2.3 million. And I think Mayo is probably a best bet special teams ace. That's why Gettleman brought him in because he played for Gettleman in Carolina. He's a Gettleman guy. I get it. But at this point, I think Mayo's a, Mayo's a goner because he got outplayed by Tate Crowder. And you could easily upgrade in the draft. My, uh, Micah Parsons is a guy the Giants are looking at. But uh, specifically here, David Mayo. Guys, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just want to talk about Riley Dixon for a second, though. Because, <laughs> like, that man, I mean, I would love to keep him around. I really would. He did some great things um, on our special teams. I, I really enjoyed the, you know, yeah, he's just punting a ball, but he was damn good at it. So if he takes a pay cut, that probably would be helpful. I don't know. It's kind of hard to ask somebody who's already making a certain amount of money to make less of it and because you did so good. Like, it's kind of mm-hmm. uh, unrealistic, if you will. But, no, I mean, and David Mayo, yeah, I mean, I think at this point in time, we need to be super smart about who we end up keeping and who we end up giving away because that the money is literally coming down to, like, nickels and dimes. And, you know, it's it's going to suck to get rid of some of these guys, but it's, I think, beneficial for us in the long run. Hank, we're sitting here on January 21st, basically in a math class, trying to figure out how the Giants can cut down. We've never seen a thing like this before, where the cap is down to $175 million, at least as long as I've been a fan of the team. Um, and look, what really stinks is the best guy on this list of potential cuts is probably the guy that would most benefit our offensive line next year is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, if we cut Zeitler, we would free up about $12 million. Um, and he has a $14.5 million cap hit, but he would only accumulate $2.5 million in dead money. So therefore, we'd free up $12 million. And as good as he was this year, hmm. do we see him as part of the long-term future of this team? I don't. Yeah, this was the quandary that we discussed yesterday on the side. Like, in theory, it would seem like getting rid of Soldier would be the one that makes sense, but basic math would tell you otherwise. And I think given the need to create the cap, I hate to say it, but I think I'm with you. I think Zeitler is going to be the one that's gone instead of Soldier, which really sinks too, because he, he was one of our better offensive linemen, and I think he was really a good help to them like all year. But that's the NFL. The cap is one of those necessary evils. Sam, what do you think? Zeitler is an interesting prospect here because he's 30 years old, and if this money wasn't a situation, I would say he's a must-keep mm-hmm. unless they find a way to restructure his contract because guard is probably the weak link for the Giants, specifically the Shane Lemieux-Will Hernandez uh, carousel that went on this season. Yeah, I mean, $12 million is a lot of money, uh, especially in our very – very um, problematic cap space. So I think I agree with Hank. I think that like, yeah, you know, if, if things were better, you know, we could keep him around, but I just see like that amount of money adding up is a very big chunk that can go to, um, you know, maybe a free agent wide receiver or something along those lines. So, I mean, unfortunately I think that that is going to be what ends up happening. Andy, absolutely not. Absolutely not. 
Andy, don't come in here with that stuff. Look. Okay? Blacks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go pull out some Prosecco on the brew party. Um, <laughs> Andy is from Champaign, Illinois. I, I must include that. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Andy. Uh, keep the comments coming, man. Uh, folks, share this podcast with your friends. We're going to be here all night talking about New York football giants uh, <laughs> in all caps. Um, oh, man. So here's my thing, right? Everyone's saying cut Nate Solder, cut Nate Solder. As great as that sounds, I don't think you can cut Nate Solder. Remember, he was a 2020 opt-out. So his salary is a little bit muffled. He has two years left on his deal since he didn't play this year. The COVID, this COVID season doesn't count towards his four-year $62 million deal. So if Solder was released, right, uh, technically we would free up $10 million. However, six and a half mm-hmm. gets eaten up with dead money. So if we cut Nate Solder, we're only getting a net of three and a half million back. So it's kind of, an easy situation here. If you do the math, who are you going to cut? In my mm-hmm. opinion, Nate Solder, I've heard rumors he's going to retire. If he doesn't retire, I think you should keep him and play him at right tackle because Matt Pert, I think, needs another year to develop and learn under a guy like Nate Solder. So, but, you know, due to the health issues with his kid, I mean, there's a chance Solder retires, mm-hmm. but if he doesn't, I think we have to keep him. Yeah. Another thing to factor in, say he doesn't retire, this is a guy I feel like could have been a good leader for that offensive line had he decided to play this year. Yeah. So who knows what kind of difference that might make should he decide to come back and play and play again. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, I, I think I was in my head, I was like, Nate Solder definitely opted out this season. And I totally forgot about his, his kid situation. And he yeah. opted out because of that, because, you know, mm-hmm. God forbid – you get somebody sick, but yeah. Um, no, I mean that's. I didn't even know that he was thinking about retiring. That's. I mean, it, it's so. It, yeah, but what you were saying before about just you know the math of it all, it is just like the easiest thing. It's like get ten million dollars or get twelve million dollars. If someone just gave that to you, they, you'd obviously pick the twelve million dollars. Right. So yeah, it's just it's hard because you're looking at the players' credentials too, and Kevin Zeitler makes a lot more sense than Nate Solder. But I mm-hmm. think one of them is gone for sure. There's no way we're able to keep both of them. Yeah. Uh, even though neither of them are free agents. Now, mm-hmm. here's here's the wild card that everybody wants to know, mm-hmm. and it's Easy E Evan Ingram. Um, actually, I should have never said that. As big of an Eli fan as I am. No, Tom, how could you? I was just about to say. <laughs> Thanks, Blake. Don't ever put him in the same sentence as the you guy know, in my eyes is the goat. Didn't both of you get a Blake Martinez jersey for Christmas? Yes. Hey, you got a Blake Martinez jersey? Yes, I did. Oh, my God. I don't have mine on. But, yeah, that was my uh, – my brother gave it to me for Christmas, too. I was so stoked about it. <laughs> actually, I'll tell you the interesting story behind this. This one was actually from my mom. Like, for reasons I won't get into, my Christmas wasn't the best this year. But the next day, my mom saw me on Giants.com looking at jerseys just for the fun of it. She's like, hey, what? which one do you want? And then I'm like, oh, Blake Martinez. He's become my fair player. And she just ordered it to me. And then when we opened our presents later on. Nice. 54. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Thank you, Mom, again, if you're watching this. Love it. <laughs> Thanks, Hanks, Mom. Now we can match. <laughs> but, yeah, I um, – oh, yeah, Kev, I'm – 
so done with that. But before we get into Ingram, yeah. I don't like that was like the most recent jersey that I have because the oldest the the last Giants jersey that I purchased was Victor Cruz. So that's the only Giants jersey I had in my possession. And I was like, I need a new one. And my I was just singing Blake Martinez's praises this entire year. And my brother was just like, here you go. And I was like, yes. So hold on. Let me just let me just flash Andrew's comment just because. Sure. Thanks, thanks, mom. <laughs> so Evan Evan Ingram is the topic everybody's been dying to hear our opinions on tonight. And my personal opinion is I disagree with Kevin. You can't cut Ingram because he's really talented. If you're going to get rid of him, trade him. He, he doesn't okay. have any cap hit this year since we exercised his fifth-year option. We could save $6 million if we trade him, and then you could replace him with a guy like Kyle Pitts. I, I just – Giants fans are so split on this. Like we are very divided on this issue with Evan Ingram. I want to reveal my friend's comment about him too, if I may. Sure. How many games? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, but to go off your point, Tom, really quick. Um, no, I think that that's definitely the better way. I just don't want him on our team anymore. If it's the yeah. better thing for us to trade him, then let's trade him. I just like I'm so done with him. I'm so done with the fact that he cost us several games and that he almost cost us the Dallas game at the end in week 17. I'm just like, I don't know why people are div- are even thinking like, yeah, we should still yeah. keep him around. Unless you can do some major offseason work on him and he comes into this next season with hands like Spider-Man that, that stick to everything, I don't want him anymore. Just put some super glue on his gloves. Problem solved. Yeah. I dunk, agree. Dunk his hands and stick them or something. I don't know. I agree with Adam. JR says Ingram will be okay. Uh, look, I mean, you very well might be correct. My thing with Ingram is yeah. we didn't see more of Caden Smith this year. Remember, we claimed him off waivers from San, uh, San Francisco. That's a fifth uh, – no, not fifth, sixth-round draft pick that turned out to be a gem for us late in 2019. We didn't use him enough in 2020. Um, I'm very okay with drafting Kyle Pitts, trading Ingram, and then using a Pitts-Smith tight end combo in 2021. Or if you want to draft Kyle Pitts and keep Ingram, okay, that tight end combo works for me as well for 2021. But uh, I think he should be traded as um, Hank Adam says there. Yep. and Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Evan Engram is on Gary San- Sanchez level players that like I want to root for and see do well so badly, but I'm also really losing patience with. Oh, we love yes, Sam, I think you might remember I made a similar comment the first time you were on our show too. We love Yankee comparisons. Oh yeah, had to. <laughs> Sylvester, what's up, buddy? Thanks for uh, tuning in on the live stream tonight. Really appreciate it. Uh, his question is, what's up with Lorenzo Carter? So. Um, I do have an answer to that. Lorenzo Carter, it was just announced today that um, with the whole cap situation and the way things are looking right now, Lorenzo Carter's cap hit increased a little bit. Now, he's going to be on his contract year because he's been in the league for three years now, and this is his fourth year. So I think he will be back and ready to go for training camp in 2021, uh, Sylvester. I think that He's going to have a make-or-break type of year. He was supposed to break out this year. He was doing very, very well, Sam and Hank, until the injury in the Dallas game. Now, he is due for a contract extension after next season. So 
What is your take on Lorenzo Carter? Because he's one of the multiple players due for an extension. I think he is probably our number one pass rusher heading into 2021. I think he's another guy that's pretty much going to have another prove it year. And we've got a few of those. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. Let me get the financials. Cause I saw it before and it bothers me that I can't remember the exact numbers, but um, it was something about his cap hit went up from, Oh, it might be it right here. I'm pulling up this article. Lorenzo Carter, cap hit went from 1.3 million to nearly two and a half million so yeah uh that that's going to be very interesting to follow um in the off season um yeah so that's that's going to be interesting and then other ways we can save up money i think cody core you cut him you save two million and then spencer pulley why would we spend 2.75 million on a backup center who didn't play especially when we note that Saquon Barkley and Jabril Peppers are due for extensions next year in the offseason. You know, I mean, I think we have to prioritize them. I don't think Spencer Pulley is a priority, but um, it was rumored that Barkley is actually going to be rehabbing from his ACL tear with former giant Odell Beckham Jr. So mm. that's be careful, careful. Mm-hmm. Be very, very careful. Um, yeah. <laughs> So let's move on to our next segment, and it's free agency. So free agency will begin March 17th. We're just going to take a brief look into free agency here tonight on the show, and we're going to start with pretty much the two biggest names on the list for the Giants. It's um, Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson. And I'm going to show this graphic here that we made, and pretty much I'm in the boat right now that we are not going to be able to keep both players. I think if Tomlinson stays, it will be on a franchise tag. Uh, these are some of the stats underneath those bullet points for both players. Sam, um, pretty much it's, it's weird. If it came down to only picking one player, what would be the argument for picking Dalvin Tomlinson over Leonard Williams? And I ask that because I know a lot of giant fans are leaning Leonard Williams here. Yeah. I mean, I think that once again, this comes down um, to the money and Leonard Williams, while, you know, he would be a great defensive end to keep on our team. And there was that whole controversy when he first came in, they were like, you know, we don't know what he's going to do. And Gettleman kind of, you know, I think Leonard Williams saved Gettleman here because of the fact that he ended up doing so well. While obviously Leonard Williams, you know, we could see on the graphic here, he had 11 and a half sacks and led the, led the team. Um, and Dalvin Tomlinson had three and a half. I think that what's going to end up happening is that Dalvin Tomlinson's going to stick around. Like you said, Leonard Williams, they were, they were saying that he was going to need like a 19 or $20 million contract, which obviously with our cap space really isn't doable. So I think that Leonard Williams is going to end up leaving for that reason. And, but I do think that the argument here is that Dalvin Tomlinson has the potential to be on the same level as Leonard Williams. He just wasn't there that this year. Hank, what do you think? I feel like Leonard Williams is going to be the one of the two that re-signs. Obviously, I would say that because, remember, that trade was not popular in, in 2019. Like, it was in the middle of the season. 
He didn't really do much in that first year, but this second year, like like Sam said, he really did save Dave Gettleman. And I think if he didn't have as good a performance, that may have very well have cost him this job. But with that yeah. having been said, I also know that the Giants seem to have a bad habit of letting good defensive tackles go after their rookie contract. Jonathan Hankins, Barry Cofield, the list goes on and on. And I'm even going to throw Limbaugh Joseph in there. Like, I would love to have him back. The problem is I feel like it's only going to be on a franchise tag. And Leonard Williams, like, you look at the year he had, he he was a reason why we probably won more games than we should have won this year, if I'm being completely honest. Like, and he made the big – he, he made the big plays in, like, the last two wins for the Giants. In fact, Tom, if I remember correctly, there's a reason why we picked him as player of the as the player of the game for those last two wins. So I would definitely imagine that Elwell gets gets say. And I'll say this, too. I think Patrick Graham really did have a big factor on his improved play. And I think it also goes to show you how much going to a different culture can really make a difference in how a guy can play. It's weird because you look at these two players and Dalvin Tomlinson is well within our finances. We can very easily retain him. The problem is you have Leonard Williams and Tomlinson is one of the four remaining players on our roster that were drafted by Jerry Reese, not Dave Gettleman. So I look at these numbers and they're around the same age. Their prices are a lot different, but Mm -hmm. historically history will tell you Tomlinson's going to leave. Leonard is going to stay. However, People are arguing, and this is where I agree with Sam, Dalvin Tomlinson, what he does is he neutralizes the offensive line. He'll eat up two two offensive linemen at once. That gives Leonard Williams that one-on-one matchup. That is, He's able to use finesse moves and make plays on those tackles he's going up against. Tomlinson has the guards and the centers neutralized, and he did that a lot this year and his numbers are only improving i mean four passes defended for a a defensive tackle is a lot and not to mention you're looking for um consistency a good model of consistency tomlinson's been with the team for four years has not missed the start not a single one not a single one and he's only going to get better that's the scary thing as jr says um Keep Leonard Williams, get rid of the DT, easier to get a hold of DT, just say. Yeah, but, I mean, try trying to look at both sides here. Kyle Russo says you have to sign back Leo. If you don't, then what, what was the purpose of trading for him? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, my opinion is that yeah. Leonard Williams should be re-signed. I don't think Tomlinson's getting re-signed. But uh, if you bring him back, it definitely should be on a franchise tag. So, Um, That's the first one we're going to go over. And uh, I hope there's a way to keep both of them. I really do. They were definitely here. If I could just say one more thing about that, the situation, it's that like just in terms of like not even like the money or the numbers or anything, but to go off like the chemistry of between these two guys, they're like the best of friends. And when you have guys that are, can just work well together and, can tackle better together like that that's super important as well so to have like kind of like take one away from the other like it might you know change their performance in some sort of way yeah no definitely the chemistry is there on that defensive line and if it ain't broke hank you don't Don't fix it don't fix it yeah so 
Who's riding that train in 2021? I'm jumping ship. I don't think Gallman should be back. Um, I know a lot of people want Wayne Gallman back, but remember that all six of his touchdowns came during the five game win streak this season. Um, projected cost of two. To Actually, three. no, that was a five game touchdown streak. I think they might have lost the game during that. You're correct. Yes, my bad. Um, it is your bad. <laughs> <laughs> we have one of those bloopers every show. Hank, Hank just had Hank just has to call me out, but uh, it's a good running gag, you know. <laughs> Gallman almost didn't make the roster this year. Uh, Sam, I, I think it's weird because in order to keep both Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson, both of these guys here on this graphic need to be let go. Yeah, no, it's um, the thing with Gallman is um, <laughs> uh, the thing with Gallman is that, you know, Saquon's coming back. And while he's coming back from an injury, he is our RB1, you know, like Gallman stepped up to the plate while he was gone. But then there's also the idea of like, will Gallman with, you know, with a, a, a stat like having a touchdown five games in a row, will he want money? And yep. will he want to have a big contract? And will he want to be a starter? So all of these things are to consider as well, because, you know, these backups will show up and, when they do really well, odds are when the original guy comes back, they're like, well, I want to be a starter now. And then they'll go off, end up at another team that is willing to pay them and start them. So Gallman on this case, like I would love to have Gallman and Saquon um, be able to like interchange them and have that kind of weapon. I just don't think it's going to end up happening. And with Kyler, Kyler Frackrow, blah, 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 blah. I don't know why I have such a hard time saying his name. But anyway, he's like, I really like him and I don't want him to leave. I think that he's a solid linebacker and he's like 29 years old at this point. And I think that he's old enough to be someone who's been around the game for a while and knows the line and and knows what to play, but also young enough to still be powerful and be in the mix there. So if I had to choose, if someone told me I had to choose between these guys, I think I'd pick Kyler. Um, but I do like Gallman a lot, and I want him to stick around. I just don't know how realistic that is. And he could very well easily be replaced by a Marlon Mack or a Jarek McKinnon, as I have there. Um, with Fackrell, right. another yeah. one with Patriot connections, too. True, but um, he's more of a pass-catching back. He's more of like a Deion Lewis type of player. Right. Um, I think – for Fackrell, it comes down to you look at what he did in 12 games. He had four sacks. He had that great touchdown against Dallas, and he had 10 quarterback hits. He flourishes in Patrick Graham's defense. If you can get Fackrell at the right at the right price, then you re-sign him. Right now, I'm leaning towards Gettleman. He's going to keep Leonard, and he's going to keep Fackrell. I think Wayne has a chance to be re-signed, but Dalvin Tomlinson won't. That's just my opinion. Um he could easily be replaced. You remember, you have rookies like Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown who were really nice this year. Um, and not to mention, Fackrell had 10 and a half sacks under Patrick Graham in 2018 in Green Bay. So he's been around the block a few times, and we do have a couple comments on this one. JR said he likes Wayne, starts off slow, and finishes fast. I say get rid of him. Um, but. I guess there's more coming from JR. Uh, yeah. 
Any any final thoughts on these two here? I mean, I think Fackrell, his projected cost is around three to five million. I would take that, assuming mm-hmm. you don't bring back Tomlinson. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 would, I would definitely take a flyer on him for another season with that price range. And yeah, I'm going to add to Gallman. I, as much as I enjoyed watching Gallman, like the more I think about it, yeah, I definitely agree. I think he's also replaceable, and you could definitely find another good north and south runner, but. That hadn't been said. Wayne was a pretty good part of the season, though, for sure. Is he really going to be expensive? No. I think the problem, again, trying to center everyone around the cap, it's, as we said, it's a necessary evil with the NFL. Here's here's my problem, right? Uh, I think Goldman won't be expensive, but I think mm-hmm. the way he played in Week 17 was very unflattering, in my opinion. Right. I didn't like the way... He played, and I think he was more of a product of the way that the offensive line played. And Andy, no, we're not going to no. take Ryan Null. Oh no, we're not. Um, no, just no, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, quickly oh, here before we wrap this segment up, other free agents I want to talk about: Colt McCoy, one-year deal. I mean, you probably should bring him back. He's one of the better backups in the league. He was one and one. I mean, that win in Seattle was insane. Um, Nobody saw that coming. So, not just that, but in both games he started, he wasn't necessarily good or bad, but he was serviceable. Like, yeah. he, he in both games, he looked like he was giving the Giants a chance to win, especially the Seahawks game. He only really had that one mistake. And you know whose mistake, you know, who really was at fault for that mistake. I don't even need to mention. Yeah, that guy. And as far as the Cleveland game, I actually think if you watch the Cleveland game, I actually think he moved the ball better in the first half of that one. So, Again, I would have no objection if you brought him back next season. In fact, I actually think that would probably be the smart move. JR wants a power back. Yep. I agree. You need to look at a guy like similar to what the Packers got in AJ Dillon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would be a good addition. Um, another guy is Cam Fleming, played right tackle for us this year. I think with Solder coming back, there's no need to retain. Cam Fleming. If Solder stays, uh, Matt Pert is your right tackle. I don't think Fleming is coming back. He allowed six sacks this year and just over 900 snaps. He was not good. Um, he was. You basically signed him for what you would have gotten with Mike Remmers, who's now starting for Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. Uh, Kyle Russo wants Adrian Peterson to back up Barkley. Um, I'm I'm gonna disagree with that one real quick because I mean AP was fantastic in his prime and on the Vikings and even when he was in Washington, but I haven't seen him do anything in Detroit recently. Um, and 2015, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, yeah. If it was five years ago, absolutely. But right now, I don't think AP even wants to sit in a backup position. You know, that's not where he wants to be in his position. Like, he's he's aging out. He's going to be retiring sooner than later. So I I would have to disagree, and I don't want Adrian Peterson. He also causes drama. Hmm. Interesting take. Um, Kyle does not shy away from drama. He is a huge Odell Beckham Jr. fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. But back to Cam Fleming, Hank. Uh, this was a guy that should not be retained. I think he's a goner. I think Deion Lewis is a goner. He's not going to come back. 
he was kind of a disappointment. Didn't really get used much. He was pretty much uh, replaced by Alfred Morris, who's much older than him. And Morris was more productive, fulfilled his role. So, yeah, I don't like that. I think really the only guy you could look on this list of like under the radar players that will probably come back is either Nate Ebner or um, I think long snapper Casey Kreider is coming back around like a 1 million, maybe a little less. I think him and Nate Ebner are the only two on this list that you could argue will come back in 2021. I don't see an argument for Cam Fleming. Jabal Sheard was an injury replacement. Devontae Downs is the worst player on this yeah. roster, in my opinion. No, thank um, you. Wait, did you say that Alfred Morris is a free agent? He is, yeah. Yeah, he is. But I don't know if he's going to go back. I was going to say, I mean, you know, to <laughs> – <laughs> I completely to, agree, Adam. <laughs> to like jump back to like AP for a second, like Alfred Morris is also getting, I think he's like 32 yeah. or 33 years old. Like, yeah, he's not sticking around, right? He's probably out of here. No. And then Austin Johnson is really the only other one defensive tackle we brought from Tennessee. So I think right now the big four you're looking at are Leonard, Tomlinson, Fackrell, and Goldman. I think those are the four biggest names. And then you can kind of mix and match from there. Um, Nate Ebner was good this year on special teams, but he kind of slowed down and he's an older player. Not that that's a bad thing. He is a veteran and you need those on the roster. You need older players every year, uh, especially on a winning team. So I think he would be a good player to resign. Casey Kreider was pretty good. You didn't hear much about him from the long snapper position this year. And then another thing too, Austin Mack, who, I was a big fan of in the preseason. Well, the preseason that we didn't have this year, pretty much the um, extended training camp. Austin Mack is an exclusive rights free agent. So what that means is um, he can be signed by another team in uh, 2021. As we did lose Benjamin Victor, I believe, to the Lions. So uh, the other Ohio State receiver we got. So Austin Mack is a guy who dropped a couple of passes this year, but he also made a couple of plays. Uh, I think you should bring him back, but we'll see. Uh, look, we have a lot of offseason needs, and it all starts with wide receiver. We talked about Allen Robinson before. Um, what do you guys think about the wide receivers on this list? I personally think if you're going to take one, um, I don't think – outside of Robinson, there's really not many appealing names. I mean, this receiver class can thin out very quickly. I know the Giants won't get Chris Godwin. They won't get Galladay. I think you're looking more at guys like, I hate to say this, but Curtis Samuel, maybe Will Fuller. Is there anybody that piques yeah. either of your interest? I mean, um, I – when when you know Allen Robinson, the whole that whole name started get thrown around everywhere. I was like, wow, what a fantastic wide receiver to have on your team that the Giants absolutely will not get. Like that's it's just the bottom line. People are saying like I'm all over Giants Twitter, and people on Twitter are just like, yeah, Allen Robinson is ours. He's ours. I'm like, no, he's not. We're not getting him. Let's be real. I think to be quite honest with you, I do think Kenny Galladay is some someone that we could possibly pick up just because he is fairly new in the league and also coming off of an injury he is kind of scary to pick up 
But I mean, he's not awful. In his 2018 and 2019, he had over a thousand yards in both of those seasons. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't really like, I'm not a big fan of him, but if we ended up getting him, I'm like, eh, that's okay. Will Fuller, I mean, I he just got suspended for PEDs. I don't really want someone like that on our team. Curtis Samuel could be good. I, I just like, it's it's a free agency right now in terms of wide receivers. I just don't know if that's going to work out for us. Yeah. I, I feel like Kenny Galladay out of all of them might be the more likely option and probably the better one, because as much as I'd like Allen Robinson, I'm not convinced the giants are going to go out and break the bank on him as much as I have him on the team. So I would agree with that. And as far as drafting goes, if I'm if, if it's okay for me to like mention the draft names, I feel yeah. like Lamar Chase is probably the one that appeals to me the most. I know Devontae Smith is talented, but I'm I'm saying this with the assumption that he's going to be taken off the board because I highly doubt he's going to fall to number eleven. And maybe Jalen Waddle is another possibility, but I think between the two of them, from what I've seen like on film and. Granted, it's not the the most amount of film size I've watched. Just keep in mind, I don't know as nearly as much about college as Tom possibly does. I'm gonna, I would probably take Jamar Chase. I don't think Jamar Chase is gonna be available. I mean, yes, he did opt out due to COVID nineteen, but remember, he played with Joe Burrow his senior year, mm-hmm. over seventeen hundred receiving yards and twenty touchdowns. The year that he had last year was the year that Devontae Smith had this year. So. Uh, it's going to be tough. I think Chase is the best draft pick, but I think Devontae Smith will likely go first. Mm-hmm. Here's my problem. The only receiver that has a slim chance, wide receiver that is, of slipping to number 11 is Jalen Waddle. You have Miami, who's probably taking a receiver. You have the Jets, who might even take one if they keep Sam Darnold. And all fingers are pointing towards quarterback for them, but you don't know that now with Robert Salah as the new head coach. Mm-hmm. They could either take Suell or a receiver, and then you have Philadelphia, who never makes the right choice. But <laughs> they took a receiver last year. Will they double down on that? Because they're probably not bringing back Alshon Jeffrey, and the Sean Jackson is not a spring chicken. So, you know, it's kind of a situation where if you're the Giants, are any of these three going to be available at number eleven? I say no. I don't think so. I don't think so. But like, there's like always that thing in the back of my mind. That's like, you know, Devonte Smith's going to be available for the Eagles to pick up and they're not going to pick him up because they're dumb. So they just don't know how to draft. They're very bad at it. I know a lot of people were saying that Devonte Smith would be like the perfect person to have on our team. I just don't think he's going to be available at 11. My prediction is that Devonte Smith's going to go to the Bengals at four. I don't know why. I just had like this inkling that I could see Joe Burrow throwing bombs to Devonte Smith and having it being amazing. But no, yeah, I think Waddle is probably going to be the only one that we may get. Otherwise, I mean, the Giants have surprised us in the past many a times with our draft picks and. I mean, for the most part, they've turned out pretty good. But I just, I mean, we could be saying right now, yeah, the Giants are definitely picking a receiver at 11. And then they come out of left field and score, you know, another left tackle for whatever reason, you know, like, I don't know. I want a tight end. And I want Kyle yeah. Pitts from Florida. Six foot, six foot I think six. that's a great pick. 
And when you look at the Giants' offense, what's the biggest problem? We're kicking field goals. We're not scoring touchdowns. Kyle Pitts can help us out a lot in the red zone, and he can get us into the red zone. I think he would be an excellent player, and he, in my opinion, is Evan Ingram without the drops. And That's what I think he is, and then some. You know what? I'm going to make another comparison. Now, I know these guys played different – were technically different positions, but – Remember, Eli, in his second year, had a big, was given a big target and one that had big hands and helped him score more touchdowns in his sophomore season. Maybe give Daniel Jones the weapon of Kyle Pitts. Tom, I think you know what comparison I'm making. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. It could very no. well be another Plaxico-like addition, but minus the, uh, minus the nightclub incident that happened, which I, <laughs> we won't talk about that one. <laughs> The Plaxico curse. Yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> Giants fans, we're, we're still arguing. We would have won the big game that year if we, if we had Plaxico. Otherwise. Yeah. I'm still salty about that season. Sam, what do you think about potentially taking Kyle Pitts a tight end at number 11? Because we I don't know if that. Ingram's sticking. I mean, I think he will, but. Yeah, the thing, the good thing about rookies is that they're cheap. And um, there, you know, it's easy to pick someone up. That's fantastic. That is not, you don't have to break the bank for them. So that's part of the best thing about the draft. Um, But I would love to have a tight end, um, a new tight end. Like, you know, like you were saying, Hank, you know, the, the best thing about, you know, quarterbacks that are good and they have awful receivers to throw to make them look bad. So when you have a decent receiver to throw to that actually makes the catches like, Sterling Shepard is a great addition to our offense. Like he's, you know, will never be our star, our absolute like beautiful starlight that comes out of nowhere, but he's reliable and he does what he needs to do. And he makes Danny look good. If you have Kyle Pitts on this team and, you know, Daniel Jones can toss a beautiful throw to Kyle Pitts that he can put us in the end zone or in the red zone, wherever I'm all for it. And then people might actually start putting some respect on Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones is a fantastic quarterback and people constantly berate him because they think that he's awful because he's got awful targets. I think, yes. I mean, the receivers are a part of the problem, but you can't give Daniel Jones a free pass. He did not have a good season. He was a big part of the problem. And it's, it wasn't just his turnover. It's his ability pre-snap. He has to get better pre-snap with reading the defense. And that's something Eli, I think if he had a few more games to learn under Eli in 2019, that probably would have benefited him to physically see him in action a little bit more. Um, But Kyle Russo here says, we can dream of playmakers, but we all know Dave Gettleman will get a hog molly. (laughs) So with that being said, one of my draft prospects for the Giants at number 11, and I don't think they'll be taking a hog molly, but I wouldn't be surprised. Wyatt Davis, guard out of Ohio State, is potentially an option for us. The entertainer, Chris Guzzo, as we all know and love um, from YouTube, um, actually said today Wyatt Davis could be an option. If the Giants cut Kevin Zeitler to save that $12 million, mm-hmm. you know, he could be a cheaper option, or there's rumors the Giants could go out and potentially bring in um, an Austin Blythe from the Los Angeles Rams in free agency, who is a center slash guard. He can play multiple spots. And then Forrest Lamp from the Chargers, who is a left guard. He was hurt 
pretty much in two of his years, but he finally started all 16 games this year, and he was pretty darn good for L.A. He protected Justin Herbert really well, and he could potentially do the same for Daniel Jones. So I think in that retrospect, I wouldn't put it past Gettleman to draft a guard, but if we were to get a guard, I think it would be better suited in the mid to later rounds, not necessarily the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I think that there's definitely um, something that needs to be done with our offensive line there, and a guard would be helpful. And I also think that Daniel Jones likes to hold on to the ball for quite a long time. With so with a line that will actually provide him that time will be better for him. Um, and I also just want to like say really quick to go back to what you were saying about um, Daniel Jones and Eli Manning being a mentor to him. There was talks that Eli Manning is kind of going to be more in the mix this year. I think that he's going to be a little bit more hands-on in this organization. So hopefully that'll be helpful. I'd love to see that, honestly. And this is me putting, and this is honestly me putting my Eli Manning fanboy stuff aside. (laughs) I legitimately do think him returning to the Giants would be good for them. Yeah. No, I think so. I think it could be really helpful. And he obviously, you know, he's our pride and joy of our of our Giants organization. So, you know, if he could come in and do like mm-hmm. little things, even like help DJ out with some stuff, like I'll take it. Dean Robinson, who do we bring in as backup quarterback? Um, this is think- interesting. Sorry, I don't really think there's too many you really need to bring in anyone. I think might you might just you might want to just keep McCoy for another year. I really I think don't think it's a bad idea at all. It better suits Jones to have a veteran as a backup mm-hmm. behind him because he's still a young quarterback that's learning. Uh Jacoby Brissett is another option from the Colts who mm-hmm. uh Mike Too Nice, another Giants YouTuber, happens to like as well. He likes Jacoby Brissett. I think McCoy Coy will be slightly cheaper than Brissett, and he's already been mm-hmm. with us for a year. I think it would make more sense to bring McCoy back, but Brissett would certainly be an upgrade. So I wouldn't be mad with Brissett either. Um, he also does know Joe Judge a little bit from the New England days. So true, very true. Um, Brissett could be an option for the Giants as a backup quarterback. Dean uh, Brissett or McCoy, I would say, are my two guys to look at. Um, but yeah, offensive line, it's going to be difficult. Um, I think here's my last statement on the offensive line. If you're currently satisfied with the five players we had on the line this year going into next year, and that includes Matt Pert over Cam Fleming, that is not okay. This line needs upgrades. And I'm not saying Hernandez over Lemieux and Pert and just settle it with Thomas Hernandez Gates. Zeitler and Pert, that's not good enough. Um, I would like to see if Solder comes back, I would like to see him at right tackle, give Pert another year. Um, I think you have to go out and get a guard. I, I just think you're going to have to. So that I don't think the line is a finished product is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And also, um, like we were talking about before with the coaching situation, they've been – they don't really have somebody constantly coaching them. This past season was kind of a mess for the offensive line. And with Googs gone now, you know, they're going to try and figure out who's going to take his place. So I think that'll definitely help them out as well. I mean, obviously getting some some better players in there and then, you know, having an actual coach. 
Jeremiah Streifel asks a question. What position do we draft in the first round? Um, Hank or Sam, would uh, one of you want to take this year? I think I would say it's either wide receiver or tight end. I've, obviously, I think we have established that Waddle's probably going to be the one guy that's most likely to still be there at number 11. But if you're asking me what I personally wanted, I would say Kyle Pitts. Absolutely. That guy yeah. just has the Kyle Pitts just screams game changing receiver for Daniel Jones. Plain and simple. Yeah, I agree. But we were talking about before, you know, I think wide receiver is our top here. But if we end up going with a tight end, like I'm totally fine with that. Jeremiah, I'm going to give you a little different opinion here. Uh, I do. I, I want Kyle Pitts tight end. Uh, that's my opinion. But um, don't be surprised if it's Wyatt Davis guard from Ohio State, as much as I hate to say that. Uh, Quitey Pay, an edge rusher out of Michigan, piques my interest as well. He was a guy who sat out 2020 due to COVID. Uh, not, I'm sorry, he didn't sit out. That was uh, Rousseau. Pay only played four games this year for Michigan, but Pay averaged over eight pressures a game. So this is a guy you could potentially bring in as well at number 11, Quitey Pay, and then cornerback. The Giants need an upgrade at the number two cornerback position, right? And I established with Hank, at least, over call. Uh, Sam, I don't know if we talked about this yet. I think the best option is to sign a number two corner and free agency and draft a skill player in the first round of the draft. But if none of those wide receivers are there, and if let's just say Pitts isn't there either, you have the option of taking a Quitey Pay as an edge rusher, like Jeremiah is saying, um, or a corner. Patrick Sertan mm-hmm. out of Alabama, a lot of people like him. I personally like Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. Uh, both of these corners are six feet, two inches tall. You don't see that often in the NFL. Uh, Farley set out 2020 due to COVID-19. Um I think he would be a good player. I think he has the most upside. Uh, what do you What do you two think of the cornerback situation? I mean, I think we definitely need an upgrade over Isaac Yadam at the number two corner position, but that need has a chance to be fulfilled in free agency as well. I think that's the one piece missing in our secondary right now. But a lot of people like Julian Love too. Yeah, I like Julian Love. I like having him there. Um but I definitely think that you can have another guy, uh, you know, like in the in the backup position for him. I but I don't I don't mind Julian Love. I think that he's a solid corner and that he he gets the job done. And I really have no problem with him. Yeah, I think in terms of cornerbacks, yeah, I agree. Julian Love's been pretty serviceable. I like what he's done. However, with that being said, I'm thinking free agency in terms of our second cornerback. And I think the guy that really piques my interest is Ronald Darby from the Washington football team. <laughs> I mean, look at his numbers. He's actually gotten better over the course of the past few years. You actually you don't really see that too often with cornerbacks, believe it or not. And he, and he also appeared in six games for Washington and was a big part of their secondary. I think he could definitely potentially be a solid addition for the Giants. There's also... There's also William Jackson from Cincinnati and Shaquille Griffin from Seattle. However, another guy that would be interest, an interesting add is Pat Pete from the Cardinals. I know he's no spring chicken, but I 
still think Pat Pete probably has another good year or two left. And I, I would definitely not mind if the Giants decided to take a flyer on Pat Pete. The corner position is very interesting because I think it should be addressed in free agency before the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go at Ronald Darby signed with Washington last year for a mm-hmm. one year, $4 million deal. That is well within the Giants price range. He has also played for Washington and Philadelphia. So why not play for your third team in the NFC East Darby <laughs> last year? Started all 16 games for Washington, had 55 tackles, and 16 passes defended. That was two less than Bradbury had for one year, $4 million. I want Ronald Darby to be signed in free agency. We bring him in, slide him in at the second corner position, fine. Then Farley and Sertan, that discussion can end because I love Darnay Holmes as the slot. And then you have your trio of safeties with Ryan, McKinney, and Jabril Peppers with Bradbury Bunker as the number one boundary corner. So now your secondary is set. You sign a number two corner in free agency, will, which in my opinion will be the easiest position to sign. And then in the draft, you take either a skilled player on offense or a lineman. I know that might not be popular for some Giant fans, but it could happen. Um, and then edge rusher. Um Actually, we have a comment here from Dean. Dean Robinson, are you on YouTube? Yes, we are. Um, I'll put the banner up here. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. That is all our content for our Big Blue Avenue podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to our Facebook page here at Review and Preview Sports. Follow us on Instagram at Review and Preview as well. So, um yeah, and um, it's definitely back to the edge rusher position. Hank, I know you're a big fan of Leonard Floyd from the Rams, who they got on a one-year deal. There were a lot of one-year deals last year in the NFL. Yes, um, I watched a little bit of the Rams' performance. Leonard Floyd really stood out to me during this postseason. He he was amazing. And, Andy, I can't believe your Bears let that guy go, man. He really, You really could have used it and – Yet another mistake that Ryan Pace made, I'll tell you that. Yeah. And having him, can you imagine putting him and Leonard Williams on that same line? That would be scary. Well, here's a look at the edge rushers on our ticker right now. I mean, Hassan Reddick, Sam yeah. Reddick, Hassan Reddick had a five-sack game on Jones. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just like, I w- when it was going by before, um, I did see something about um, Yannick Ngaku was possibly going to be in the mix with the Giants. And to be quite honest, I would absolutely love to have someone like him on our team. He's a beast. So, yeah, and and Hassan Reddick had, was just all over Daniel Jones when yeah. they played the Cardinals. And I think that was part of the reason why we – I mean, we went into that game after the Seattle win thinking that we were going to dominate. Meanwhile, like, we just looked like just garbage, really. And that game was really awful for us. But – yeah, no, I, I I think that a lot of these guys on here are even Bud Dupree from Pittsburgh. I'd I'd like to have him as well, but I think he just got hurt this year. He did, it. yeah. He had an injury that hurt them. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't risk it on him. I think Pittsburgh is going to re-sign him. Yeah, no. I mean, I think Pitt, Pittsburgh right now is kind of in like a weird position as well. I mean, we 
you know, Dwayne Haskins just signed with Pittsburgh today, which is <laughs> weird. Don't know why they did that. Um, I, mean, I asked my brother, who is a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan, um, how he felt about it. And he was just like, well, you know, we don't really know what we're doing in the quarterback situation right now. We don't know what Ben's doing. We don't know, you know, what anything is going on with this whole Steelers team. But we're, you we're can look at that in two different ways. I feel like for one thing, you could see it as it's him giving Big Ben some competition, which makes sense because if you watch the second half of the Steelers, that guy's got nothing left. I'm sorry. No, like, he doesn't. I know he had 504 yards. Those were mostly garbage time. And mostly by the t- that point, the, ba- the Browns were playing like prevent defense. So the game was right. pretty much over. Mm-hmm. And you could say, okay, we're giving him a second chance or he's just there as like competition. I'm going to say maybe he's there for a second chance because you look at his situation in Pittsburgh compared to Washington. He didn't, he wasn't necessarily dealt with the great hand. That's not to say, that's not to say he's not at fault for what happened. Obviously, right, right. He's a total idiot. But with that being said, I would also yeah, I feel like he's just getting a second chance. But then again, um, you also know the top, the culture with Pittsburgh and all how all those players run their mouth. We saw how much that hurt them, so True. I, I'm really not 100% sure if that truly is the best place for him, but we'll see. Right. The yep. two players on this ticker below that are on the top of my wish list are Shaq Barrett and Leonard Floyd, but I don't know if the Giants will have enough money to sign either of them. Um, I think there's a chance with Leonard Floyd, but I don't see it happening. The, historically, the Giants produce their edge rushers through the draft. I think that's the big thing. If you re-sign Leonard Williams, you're not signing any of these guys. It's not Mm going to happen. You're going to see few under-the-radar signings. So I think Quidey Pay is an option at number 11. Um, You know, and the interesting thing is if you bring Fackrell back, which is I think, which is what I think is likely to happen, you can probably get a healthy and productive season from him again if re-signed, and then. You have Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez, X-Man, coming back from injury as well. So you have the three of them. You draft the rookie and Quietie Pay at 11, let's say, or take one later on, whatever it is. That's pretty good right there. And you have the rookies from last year, Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown. So that's not a bad pass rushing uh, situation to have. And it really wasn't the weakness for the Giants. It wasn't the biggest weakness for the Giants this year, but – we do have a question from Jeremiah, which we did bring this up earlier, so I'll quickly just sweep through it, recap what we said. Uh, big analysts talk about letting Ingram walk and trading Tate. Thoughts? Uh, those big analysts, I think, are wrong. Um, look, I'm, I'm going to be very opinionated on the show about it. Ingram – they picked up his fifth-year option. He's not going anywhere. Uh, they're going to cut him, if anything, uh, mm-hmm. in that regard. But they're not going to. The only way Ingram leaves the Giants in 2021 is if they trade him because he's owed $6 million in 2021 mm-hmm. with no cap hit. So if you cut him, okay. But I think you have to acquire some type of asset for him. There's teams that have to want this guy. Wasn't he a Pro Bowl tight end in 2020? Sam and Hank. In name only. If, if I swear to God, I need to know who voted for him. Oh, like I need people's names 
faces. I don't care. I need to know who voted Evan Ingram into the Pro how come Bowl. Robert, the real question I want to know is how come Robert Tunyon from Green Bay didn't get any love? Oh, my gosh. I know. He's an excellent tight end. I mean, we saw him do excellent things last weekend for the, yeah. the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I don't know why Evan Ingram got into the Pro Bowl, but yeah, just if you voted for him, just just know that I'm I'm. Then again, let's not forget people voted Mitch Trubisky to be the Nickelodeon valuable player too. Okay, so. okay, okay. Though I That's think that different. those kids are trolls, though. No, I know, I, I know. I'm just saying there've been a lot of crazy votes out there. <laughs> Jeremiah, as far as Tate goes, if we wait until June 1st, which this is 90 percent sure what's going to happen, I think. We wait until June 1st, then we release Golden Tate. We save $8.5 million. That money can be allocated towards the contract of Leonard Williams and or Dalvin Tomlinson. So I think that's your best route there. I don't think trading Tate is a smart move, but we will see what the Giants do because usually what the Giants do is not always what people expect to happen. I mean, it happens. It's the NFL and the Giants. uh, But there is another position we have to talk about and this is really the last position we're going to hone in on, is inside linebacker. Blake Martinez needs a man to play next to him. David Mayo is not the answer. Devontae Downs is not the answer. Tate Crowder is still on the fence, but I'd like him to be more of a rotational piece at this time and let him flourish on special teams. I think Blake loves playing next to Tay, but I I do think you need more depth interior-wise. I think Mayo is going to get cut. I don't think Downs is coming back either. Uh, Sam, who do you have on your radar um, as potentially somebody the Giants could bring in next to Blake Martinez, or do you think they kind of stick with Tay Crowder and let things play out? I think that the thing is that Tay Crowder being Mr. Irrelevant was like kind of nobody really thought that he was going to be able to do anything, but I think that he had a pretty decent season this year. Um, I wouldn't mind keeping Tay Crowder in the mix, mostly just because this past year was a learning year. And despite it being a learning year, he did fairly well. So I think that he could, he could fulfill that spot. I don't know anybody off the top of my head that I would have like that. I could actually say like, Oh yeah. Like I definitely want to have him there. Um, but Tay Crowder, I think, um, like, this whole team is very moldable right now. Everybody's very new. Everybody's very young, new coach, everything. So I think it's very easy to mold this team into exactly what we want it to be. And I think that Tay Crowder can fit in that mold that we want it to be. I just, like, I, I don't really think that there's anybody that's, like, standing out to me all that much that could fill that spot if we have already have Tay Crowder there. I agree. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens inside linebacker-wise. Uh, Avery Williamson, Matt Milano is an option from Buffalo. He's definitely turned that defense around, but I think he'll be well out of our price range. Hank, uh, we were talking about this. Micah Parsons from Penn State might be an option. He opted out, uh, was a top-five prospect heading into 2020, and actually Jeremiah just said the same thing. The latest mock draft from two hours ago shows us taking Micah Parsons. And a lot of people wanted Isaiah Simmons last year, who was also kind of like a hybrid linebacker safety type of player on defense. But I think Micah Parsons could be a guy that we potentially bring in with the number 11 overall pick. 
do you, Hank, do you like his odds of being that guy for the – I know you're sold strictly on offensive players, but let's say all the receivers are off the board and the oh, Giants for sure. are in yeah. love with Ingram and they don't want Pitts. Parsons could be the guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would totally take him. Remember, I was pretty much sold on Isaiah Simmons last year for probably the same reasons. Oh, my God, I was too. I wanted Isaiah Simmons so bad. Didn't I knew going into that draft they probably weren't going to get him. They were going to focus on offensive line, which what, which wasn't the wrong move. Don't get me wrong. Right, 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 right. But with that being said, for the same reason I, w- I wanted Isaiah Simmons, I'm not going to be against taking Micah Parsons. I'm not against taking Parsons either, but I also think the inside linebacker position could be addressed later on in the draft, maybe the third or fourth round. You have guys like – Pete Werner, the linebacker from Ohio State, was the guy who took out Devontae Smith with a clean hit in the national championship game. That's uh, right. You hate to see Smith leave the game. You know, I didn't like to see that happen, but Werner gave him a nice hit. That could potentially be a guy. Baron Browning as well, a lot of people like, also a Buckeye. And Zaven Collins from Tulsa, who's a lot of fun to watch too. I think those four are linebackers the Giants could potentially – look at Mm -hmm. uh if we lock up galladay in free agency and take a tight end in the second round i love parsons 11th um that is definitely a realistic thing i don't think it will happen but a tight end in the second round the giants could take is pat fryermuth out of penn state i know i've gotten to work a couple of his games in the past he is a guy that is big and he can score a lot of touchdowns. He's a good threat in the red zone as well, good vertically-wise and a good route runner. So if we don't take Pitts, not the end of the world, you can double up with Parsons and Fryermuth, uh, two Penn State Nittany Lions in the first two rounds. It won't happen that way, but one can dream, though. <laughs> of course. Yes, love that, man. I, I Jeremiah, I had a feeling – You've been commenting a lot tonight, and I had a feeling that's where you were headed with that. So, yep. <laughs> now, by the way, Tom, you don't mind. I've got a, Sam, I've got a good question. By the way, Look, so with all this being said, I want to ask: out of all the free agents on the Giants, who do you think is the most important? And out of all the outside free agents, who would you pick? If you had to pick, like one for each side. Um, if I had to get rid of somebody, if, you know, if we're working with money and, and like things like that, I think I would get rid of, oh, now I'm like thinking back to what I was saying before, probably Williams to get rid of for money purposes. I don't want to get rid of him because I think that he's good with our defense, but I think out with him and then to bring in someone, I mean, I I was hyping up Kenny Galladay earlier, so I think I'd probably bring him in just because I like with the way our draft order is, you know, think that a free agent wide receiver is going to be better off for us than actually drafting one. So that's probably what I would end up picking. Yeah, I, I would. I'd say. I would say that makes sense. I don't know if I necessarily want to get rid of Leonard Williams, but I think I get where you're right. coming. Yeah, it's it's all it's all about the money. It's all, and especially that we're very tight with money in this organization. I just like yep. you know, you get rid of Tate and you get rid of Williams. That's twenty million dollars right there. So, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting because I think uh, the Giants are 
unlikely to receive any comp picks this year, compensatory picks. So it's pivotal that they nail the draft and free agency for their sake. If they look in hindsight, the giants realistically, in my opinion, are one good off season away from, from being crowned NFC East champions, because I don't like the quarterback situation in Washington right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like Dallas's defense, even with Dak coming back. If we improve, I think we could at least split them. And then I don't like Philadelphia's situation for the next two to three seasons. Um, no, I could totally see us becoming, you know, kings of the of the NFC East here. But I just, um, yeah, that would be crazy if Williams went back to the Jets. It's a different. It's a different place now. Like yeah. the Jets is is going. To, I I always feel like with the Jets that like they bring in a quarterback or they bring in a new coach and they're like, this is our guy. This is our guy. And like nothing ever changes. Yeah. I genuinely think that Robert Salah is such a different coach and like bringing in Mike LaFleur as well. I think that that whole organization is about to like really change. I don't know if they're going to win the, the AFC East or anything crazy like that, but I have a feeling that they're actually genuinely going to get somewhat better. He's a football guy. I'd say maybe small steps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'll probably win more than two games. That's maybe what my a two to three in a steady two or three years. Maybe we look at them in a different spot as they are now. Yeah, I can see that. So Hank and Sam, our final segment of the evening, we've talked a lot about potential free agents draft picks, which we'll talk more about the draft and free agency as we get closer. Just wanted a brief introduction into that tonight is our 2021 opponents. That has been revealed. According to an article on Giants Wire, the Giants will have the fourth easiest schedule in 2021. Now, that's not saying much, considering we had the seventh easiest schedule this season. Um, This easy schedule is in part to the NFC East just not doing well this year. The (laughs) NFC East finished with a combined record of 17-30. And one. So now um, we're kind of kind of dive into this here as we take a look at who is on our schedule uh, heading into 2021. So the Giants will play a second place schedule. They're two at large games. So obviously every year we play everybody in the division twice, home and away. Then we play an AFC division every single year. So that this year. It will be the AFC West, and then we play one NFC division, which it's our turn to play the NFC South, and then we have those two at-large games. The two teams from the other two divisions, so the NFC West and the NFC North, that finished the same placement as us, second-place team in the NFC North, the Chicago Bears, and the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC West. So I think we kind of lucked out with our schedule Guys, especially with those two at-large games, I'd rather much play the Bears than the Vikings. And, I mean, depending on what happens with Arizona next year and Kyler Murray, I'd rather much play the Rams than the Cardinals, as weird as that sounds. Because we play the Rams really tight this year. We struggled against the Cardinals. Yeah, and and I got to say, with the, with the Rams, them coming uh, from uh, West Coast to East Coast, playing the Jets and losing – um, that kind of can, I mean, I don't know if they'll ever, you know, this is next year, this is different teams playing, but, um, yeah. So I was just thinking about that, you know, we got to play Mahomes, uh, you know, Justin Herbert had a fantastic rookie year. He's got a new coach. He's going to be coming out on top. 
Matt Ryan, um, I'm not completely like worried about that much. Um, Matt Ryan is like weird. He like can be very inconsistent, and they're also going to be in a rebuilding year with all of their new coaching situations and stuff. But I mean, this this schedule, I can see why it's the fourth easiest schedule on um, in the NFL. Yeah. Genuinely, I think we can win all of our home games. Like so, like, genuinely. Sam, you kind of took, you kind of sort of took the words right out out of my mouth about what I was about <laughs> to ask you next. Yeah, and that's where would you, where do you predict the Giants will be win wise? Or actually, you know what? Let me rephrase that question. Actually, what would you say the over under is for the Giants win wise? I don't know about you, but I'm thinking like nine and a half. I mean, yeah. I, I like the thing is, like, I feel like I also don't know what's going on because I know that they were saying that there might be 17 games in the new uh-huh. season coming up. So there might be something else going on with this schedule. But I mean, yeah, like you were saying, like, I nine, that's, it, I could see it happening. The thing is that, like, you know, playing. Mahomes playing Herbert playing Brady, which of course we have to play Brady again. And but like when we played the the Buccaneers yeah. this year, we could have won that game. And Probably which is why I was like so stoked that that we may we would have been able to play them in the playoffs because yeah. I genuinely think that we would have, you know, at least put up a fight against Tom Brady and this team. But yeah, this the home schedule like. I mean, maybe the Raiders could put up a bit of a fight like they did fairly well this year, but I saw them kind of fall off the end at the end of the season. These home teams, uh, these home games, I should say, are very winnable. And I feel like also playing, you know, the Eagles away and the Cowboys away are also kind, you know, they're they're winnable. I feel like we could end up at like – 10 and six record. I feel like that's like too much for us. I don't know why. That's not real. I don't think that's unrealistic personally, but no, I like that's, that's just like looking at this schedule based off of this year. And the fact that we are going into an off season and I feel like our off season is going to be very productive going into next year. I'm optimistic. And let me, uh, let me just knock on this table right in front of me. Cause it's wood. Yeah. There we I go. I got two wood tables here too. I'm knocking on them too. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so when I look at the schedule, which by the way, the 17th game with the new CBA, that more than likely would be against the Miami Dolphins, the 17th game. Okay. Um, so if that happens, that's more than likely who will play. When I look at the schedule, I there's an opportunity to win all eight home games. Yes. I don't think we will. I think we might lose one or two for sure. Uh, I think, Nine and a half is a little too high for the over-under. I think we might it, – again, it depends what we do in the offseason. I think right now with this team, seven, seven and a half is a good place, uh, only because, guys, we only won six games last year. Sure. <laughs> yes. So we have to be realistic, too, when we look at this and say, there's a good chance we could sweep Philadelphia next year. I could definitely see that. Oh. And I think we're probably going to split Washington. They have to beat us eventually, and they are improving with that defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Washington will probably beat us once, and I think Dallas we will split. 
Um, unless Prescott, for some reason, doesn't play for them next year, I think we will definitely split Dallas and split yep. Washington, which, again, would put us at 4-2 and two in the division. So now, and again, this is just what-if scenarios. I think we beat the Raiders and the Broncos at home. Uh, I think we lose to either Atlanta or Carolina at home because the Giants usually lose one game that, that they're not supposed to. And then the Rams, that could go either way. What happened, Hank? I'm thinking Carolina's probably going to be the be one of the two. That's just a gut feeling, though. With McCaffrey, Matt Rule in his second year, yeah, 100. percent Yeah, Absolutely. that's exactly where I'm thinking. Um, so Rams Sam, I, you, though, I agree. Sam, I wanted to ask you this: outside of Kansas City, who do you see as our toughest opponent on this schedule? Um, I feel like I would have said the Saints if. Drew did not retire, but right. it's probably going to be the Buccaneers only because if this coming weekend Tom Brady ends up going to another Super Bowl, which, <laughs> you know, is what it is. But I just like that he's he's not. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Jeremiah here. I think that we're very capable of playing the Buccaneers, but they are definitely going to be a hard team to play especially if, like I said, they end up going to the Super Bowl and, you know, winning it because that's very possible in this in this reality right now. I don't know. I, and, and honestly, I mean, the thing with L.A. with the Rams is, like, they can be so good and then they can just be so bad. And I don't know why they're so inconsistent, but the Rams could be a hard game to play, but again, it is at home. So I would have to say that the Buccaneers are probably going to be, apart from the Chiefs, our toughest um, opponent. Remember I had the Rams beating the Seahawks in the first round of the playoffs? Yeah. Everybody in their mother thought I was nuts, but Patrick Graham broke Seattle. The Giants broke Seattle's defense, and not even just them, but Russell Wilson. They broke that offense, basically, is what I should have said. Uh, they didn't look good against us, and I bet you for sure Sean McVay and the Rams, Brandon Staley, looked at some film, and that could have been the tipping point as to what got Brandon Staley hired as the Chargers' new head coach, the way he was able to defend Russell Wilson in that playoff game. But we do have some comments. Anthony thinks it's the Saints. Uh, let me let me uh, expand on what piggyback on what Anthony said. I actually don't think that's far-fetched at all. I think mm-hmm. even without Breeze, if Jameis can get his stuff together, I strongly agree with that. I mean, look, the issue with Jameis, I don't think talent was ever the problem. The problem was his head. Like, he, there's a reason he threw in 30 interceptions. but And his eyes. Yes. <laughs> yes, very true. Yeah. But he also threw, like, over 30-plus touchdowns. He's got talent, and... In fact, I'm going to be honest. I think they might have been better off starting him instead of Drew Brees, possibly. This might sound like a hot take. Based on their arm strength, they might have been better off. I mean, he did throw a 56-yard touchdown. Drew Brees at 41, he can't do that anymore. Like, I've only been seeing him throw, like, 10, 15-yard passes. Like, and and don't and I'm, I don't take any pleasure saying this. I like Drew Brees. It stinks seeing him, like, decline. But, yeah, unfortunately, we saw Eli Manning decline, and it's, it's just the way it is. Very true. Another thing about the Saints, they still have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. They have a really good defense that I like a lot, Mm -hmm. uh, featuring Cameron Jordan, Trey Hendrickson, and Marshawn Lattimore. So I think 
playing at the Superdome would probably be our second toughest game outside of Kansas City. Jeremiah, this is interesting. He says the Raiders at home, that that team is scary and coming together really well. They went from six and three to what was it, seven and nine, eight and eight, really fast this year. I don't know if I agree with that take. Um, mm-mm, no, I. Here's why I'm not sold on the Raiders. Defense is very sus. They're scary on offense. I do agree with oh, yeah. him there, but not the defense. No, defense was a was a big reason for their downfall. I think. Um, not to mention, you can't leave Mac Hollins wide open like that. I know the penalty was a problem too, but Anthony can also agree on the Bucks, a poor man's Chiefs, if you will. Uh, <laughs> poor man's Chiefs. Winston had the better arm that game. Yeah, but I'm looking at this giant schedule. Ten wins is definitely a reasonable prediction. I'm going to say nine right now, and the Giants win the NFC East. But th- these are like way too early, early off-season predictions. Yeah. We don't know how these teams are going to look. One after free agency, and two after the draft. We're not going to make anything official until like a week or two before the season starts, and we know like who are on these rosters heading into 2020. We could look at Denver, let's say. Right now, a, a team that looks beatable, but uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Von Miller. We don't know who they're going to bring in. They were without Cortland Sutton most of the year, so the Giants have their hands full. We went 6-10 and 10 this year, but the bottom line is there is still work to be done. I looked at something uh, regarding the playoffs, and um, as far as the playoffs go, the playoff teams that we played in 2020, our average loss against playoff teams were nine and a half points. That tells you your team needs to get better. And I think the youth on this roster, we'll see it in 2021. The Giants will be a better team. But yeah, we, have, right. we, have to, we have to bring in more players, better better players than what we had in 2020. There has to be upgrades at some positions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And, Again, like I was saying earlier, I think that this team is very fresh, very new, very young. It's moldable. We're very much like, you know, big ball Play-Doh right now. You know, we're trying to make the perfect team. And it, and at this point in time, we are able to kind of, you know, move things around and take things away and do all this stuff. And I think that this is probably one of – I'm very excited for this offseason because of all of the opportunities that we do have that we do have the opportunities to do and the people that we can get. And I think that we could be really good next year, especially in our division. I don't, I don't see the Eagles being the team they were two years ago, going to the Super Bowl as they are in the next like couple of years, Washington struggling with their, you know, quarterback situation. Dallas is just as much of a mess. I mean, they, have to figure out their Dak situation and, you know, whether Dak's going to even come back the same player that he was or not because of his devastating injury. But we have the opportunity and we have the potential. And I genuinely think that we are going to be a very good football team next year. I do too. I think sooner or later progress has to show. And this is really the, this is the do or die season and I think this is really the end of the Dave Gettleman grace period I think Tom I know we haven't always necessarily agreed with Dave Gettleman I think I know you're pro DG to an extent whereas I've been a little more against Dave Gettleman and some of his moves I wasn't necessarily upset with them bringing back I kind of figured that was going to happen 
But with that having been said, I think one thing we can both agree on is this this is his grace period. The the end of his grace period. It's this, been over. It's it's been over. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. We had to see improvement in 2020. We got a little bit of that. Yeah, but 2021, did. it's playoffs or bust. Exactly. Put up or shut up time for the Giants. And once again, I'm gonna knock on this wooden table right here. Because I'm because in the words of Michael Scott. I am not a little shushish. I'm very superstitious. <laughs> oh, wow. And what do you know? Uh, an hour and 48 minutes later, um, we are still here. But at this time, Sam, Sam, is there anything you would like to add uh, about the Giants or anything tonight? I mean, I've, I've said my piece. I definitely have. I hope that we're a great team next year. I, de- I definitely want to feel the serotonin that I felt at the end of that Seattle Seahawks game. I was what? on cloud nine after that game. I didn't. I had the lowest expectations, and they handed me a win against a very tough team, and I want to feel like that every Sunday next year. You said it. I'd love to see, feel that. I agree. And I'd love to see LPG posting victory reaction videos more often too. Wouldn't that be fun? Absolutely. LPG is a funny guy. Hank, any, uh, any final words here? No, I just want to say this has been a lot of fun, Sam. Thanks again for coming on. Every time you come on the show, it always becomes a lot of fun. And Tom, as always, thank you for having me join you on the show. And to the guys who commented and made this a lot of fun, you guys were just as much a part of the show as we are. Appreciate you all. And I, as much as I'm already looking forward to a young Ranger season and I'm looking forward to the Yankee season, you know dang well I can't wait for the Giants to start and I can't wait to see whether they will finally be able to get it together and start to show a playoff season and show more signs of a winning culture. Bottom line is I'm pumped and I'm keeping my fingers crossed. One more time, knock on wood. That's all I got to say. I've said my piece. And one last comment. Great show. Thanks a lot, Jamie. Appreciate thanks, the love. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> so, uh, folks, you'll be seeing a lot more of Hank, Sam, and myself throughout the offseason. We'll be posting some content, talking about free agency, the draft, and training camp and everything. I'm really excited, looking forward to this, diving deep down into the Giants. We will return in March as we preview free agency. But uh, for one final time, Hank and Sam, thank you very much for joining tonight. It's been a lot of fun and looking forward to doing this again in uh, a few weeks, we'll say, in about a month or so. So yeah. really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I, I, you know, Hank, you say I have, I bring the fun. I always have fun here. You I do. love it so much. And, and I appreciate you guys. And I, I can't wait to talk more Giants in the future. All right. So on behalf of Sam Cardona and Hank and Dictor, I'm Tom Scavetta saying good evening to you all. Stay safe. Be happy out there. Let's go Giants and we will see you soon. Thank you very much.